Well, it's good to be here this morning. Um, enjoyed the singing, devotion this morning, and also Sunday school class. Um, yeah, it's just good to be in a church, um, another church, and see the Lord working in the lives of the people uh, here, here at Mine Road. My assigned topic this morning is passing on biblical values to our children and to the generations to come. Now, you hear a topic like that, and you probably see a bullseye already on my head and my children, and um, you probably are glad you're not giving this topic, and I'll just say I'm humbled to stand before you. It's good to be here, but I am very humbled to stand before you and and talk about this. Um, I'm going to go right to the scripture, Psalm 78, and we'll probably spend quite a bit of time or most of our time there. I think it's probably best to hear what God has to say than to hear what my opinions are on um, passing on um, our values to the next generation. Now, I want to say real quickly, too, this topic is not just for parents. This topic is for everyone here. You all have the opportunity and the ability to pass on values to the next generation, biblical values. Um, it doesn't take a parent to be able to pass it on. I think of school teachers especially, um, or even mentors or people in the youth group, or, or you name the names, have impacted my children um, in ways that I probably will never be able to impact my children. So I think about this thing of passing on biblical values. It's the job of each one of us. And this morning I want to talk about that job. I'm going to start out with a story maybe just to um, start us off, and that story is found in First Samuel chapter two. Um, keep your fingers back there at Psalm seventy-eight, and maybe go to First Samuel chapter two. And there's a story there about a man you've probably heard of before. His name was Eli. First um, uh, Samuel. Let me. I'm sorry. First Samuel chapter two, and yeah. Just going to look at that story here real quickly. Maybe I'm going to read a couple of verses just to um, highlight some things, and then we're going to go into Psalm 78. Um, here we see Eli. He was a man of God. Um, I think of Eli as, well, I think we know him as a big man, right? Um, I probably think of him as, maybe I'm stretching my imagination, as a very kind, good man. Um he loved everyone, I think, and he was the kind of man that um, was very respected. He was a man of God. He was a godly man. He loved his family and his sons, but his sons didn't grow up to be like his father. Look at First Samuel 2, verse 12. It says his sons were wicked men and had no regard for the Lord. Um, chapter 2, verse 22 to 25, Eli hears about his son's problems, and he's very concerned. But we find something in chapter 2, verse 29, that's rather disturbing and something for all of us to maybe think about, um, especially us as parents. It says in chapter 2, verse 29, Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifices at mine offerings, which I have commanded in my, hab- uh, yeah, in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me. Eli had a problem, and it's a problem that sometimes I have to watch in my own life. He honored his children above God. 
I hope we're not doing that. That's probably step number one to um, the mistakes that we can make as, as parents um, in raising our children. Something that's easy to do. How many of us are in the same shoes as Eli? Our children should not be our highest value. We should be making Christ our highest value. Won't remember that. Um, if you don't remember anything else I say, remember that. Um, when we go to um, go about our lives. In Deuteronomy 6, where Moses talks about passing on to our children the decrees and laws of God so that you can enjoy long life in the land, um, he says, Fear the Lord your God and serve him only. And, when Jesus, and then Jesus repeated that in his temptation, and he said the exact words of Satan. He said the exact words to Satan when he tempted it, saying, I will only fear God, I won't worship anyone else. Probably thinking, I would never worship my children. I get that. We don't. But sometimes it's easy to honor them above what we know is right and what God is asking us to do. But saying that, that's not what I'm here to talk about. Um, I'm talking about um, passing on biblical values to the next generation. I think this should be one of our highest goals in life. Um, not only as, as parents, but as a church and as individuals, we should be able to think about, we're not going to be here that long. And God is asking us to pass on the biblical values or the word of God to the next generation and to the next generation, next generation. The Jews actually are very good at that. Um, it's amazing when you, the way they go about making sure they pass on um, their religion, which um, unfortunately is not worshiping the Messiah. Okay, let's get to Psalm 78 and get right into our... our um, subject this morning. Chapter 78 is a chapter that gives us insight, and we read that. Floyd read that this morning already. Thanks, Floyd, for reading that. Um, I'm going to just give you a quick background on chapter on Psalm 78. Psalm 78 was writ written by Asa, um, and it was written in a parable form. And you say, what's a parable? Um, we find Asa telling the story of the children of Israel and how they saw the wonderful acts of God and still rebelled against God. You've heard that story, right? If you read the Word of God, You've read it in, in Genesis and Exodus, how, how the children of Israel judges, um, and throughout the whole Old Testament. They were faithful, and then they fell. They were faithful, and then they fell. Um, and you say, how in the world does that work? They constantly forgot God. And like it says in verse 8, they were stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God and whose spirit was not steadfast to God. We see the author reminding us of two things here. First thing we see in the story is that it's probably our story. It's been my story of ups and downs, being faithful and then falling. Um, you think of many people, and it's probably the story of a lot of us parents, um, of being faithful and raising our children and then getting distracted um, and letting the world and letting things around us distract us from what's most important. Second thing we can see in the parable is God has, God has time and time again had mercy on Israel. And I'm so glad for that because God time and time again has had mercy on me. Um, it's the story of, of, should be a story of all our lives. God is merciful to us. God cares about us. And despite our mistakes and big ugly mistakes we made, God continues to show mercy to us. But I'll say this, none of us want our children or the next generation to make the mistakes that the children of Israel did. So we have a calling. 
and a responsibility. Our responsibility as parents and brothers and sisters are to pass on the lessons we've learned, the lessons of the Bible to the next generation. We've got a job at hand. So where do we start? How do we do this? We don't start by listening to my opinions. We start by the Word of God. And Psalm 78, we're going to see as we look closely. And, and if um, after you finish, after I finish here and you don't remember much, go back to Psalm 78. There's so much here and passing on to the next generation God's word. Um, so let's start with um, the first point here. God has spoken. He has given his word in verse 5. Uh, maybe I'll read verse 5 to us real quickly here. For he established a testimony in Jacob. He appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children. God has spoken. He has given his words so we can have truth and so we know the truth. He established a testimony in Jacob. He appointed a law in Jacob. There's our answer, parents. There's our answer for all of us in passing on. We want to pass on. What do we do? We pass on God's word. Um, John Piper says it this way. We begin here because this is absolutely basic. If God has not spoken, if he has not given us instructions about his will or testified about his work, then we are utterly adrift in the sea of confusion. Okay? That's for all of us. And passing on, especially as parents, we think, how do we do this? I think of young parents. I remember me as a young parent um, just groping for how am I going to raise these little boys? Um, They're not so little anymore. But... How did I do this? So I'd get this book and read this book, and then I'd read that book, and that book would contradict the other book, and I was swimming reading these books that were supposed to tell me how to raise my children. It's pretty clear. We take the Word of God. It's clear on how to pass it on to the next generation through the Word of God. Um, Psalm 119 in your Sunday school lessons, it's clear. It's over and over again, repetitious of God's Word and what it does in our lives. John Piper goes on to say, people who do not orient their lives on the testimony of God in Scripture cannot know what is good for them or for their children. They may have strong opinions about what is right or, or helpful, but their opinions will be based on what, they, what feels good or on some cultural pressure or some human tradition or, or authority less than God. And I think that's where we go so often. When we move away from the Word of God, we go into some human, tra- we go into some tradition, or we go into cultural pressure around us, or we go into some opinions that are worthless. So, where do we start? We start with the Word of God. And I think that's paramount, important. Our faith and value starts with the Word of God. We have to believe that the Bible is all sufficient. The Bible gives us what we need as parents and as church and as people. Someone once said, "If you don't teach, if you don't teach our children to follow Christ through the Word of God." The world will teach them not to. And I thought that's very well said. If we don't teach, the world will teach them not to. God's word is basic, and we need to bring that to our children, bring that to the people in our church, bring that to the people we're mentoring. People who do not orient their lives on biblical principles cannot know what is good for their children. They may have strong opinions of what's right and wrong, but those opinions soon are adrift and soon... Um, are worthless. Most of us parents, I think, have tried this. Um, all the different opinions, or many of the opinions out there, and we've tried many different ones, 
and we found in the end a lot of them probably were a little worthless, if they, especially if they didn't follow God's principles. God has revealed his will to us today through the word of God. Um, we need to understand and believe this. This, again, is very basic, but it's important. And I'll say I'm usually the first person. I think we're, I'm often the first person to try something different and think, boy, I'm going to figure out the new greatest thing out there. But it's not. new greatest thing is God's word, um, and it works and is powerful um, if we believe in it. Second point I had, God has given us a command. Okay, in verse 5 again, this is for all of us. He commanded us. This is a command just like um, an army general commands. And that command is to pass it on to the next generation. So we know what to do. He gives us the command and even tells us what to do. And we'll get into that in a bit. Verse 5, he has specific command. He, he has a specific command for all of us. It's not a suggestion, but a command. I'm telling you this because I know how easy it is for me to forget this part of, the, of my job. Look at Eli. Look at Samuel. Look at David. And there's many, many more stories in the Bible of men who forgot this command. Um, and by the way, I will be bringing to you a story of another man who chose to follow this command well um, and the success it brought on the future generations because of that. His command is what in verse 5? It's very specific. It is to teach the next generation. Okay? Is that too hard for us? As we sit here, it's not, right? But tomorrow morning, as we get busy and about our things, it's going to be easy for us to forget to pass on the biblical values God has given us. It's interesting also to note the command is directly to fathers, okay? For us fathers or us men, we often like to leave it to the wives. But God specifically commands us fathers. This is why we were all created to glorify God and pass on God's will to the next generation. And this is more than just fathers here, but each one of us here. We were commanded and we were asked to glorify God and pass that on to the next generation. That's why we're here. That's kind of basic. Some of you who are young think you'll never get old. And some of you who are old realize how quickly it goes, right? Our time's short. We're here to pass on what God has given us to the next generation, to the next. So we're commanded. So what's our responsibility? Our responsibility is what? I believe these two parts are found in the next couple of verses. And I'm just going to go right into that. Or I, I'm going to go back a verse, first of all. And what's it say in verse 1? Just to keep us all awake. What do we see here? First thing we need to do. Here's a response. Here's, here's getting more practical. Tom, you got it there? What's it say in verse 1 we should do? Listen, give ear, O oh my people, to what? To God's law. To God's law. To the word of God. So the first thing we need to do is incline our ears to the word of God. This starts with me listening to God's word. We need to be personally giving ear to the law of God. And you see, when you personally come to the law of God, it will show you what? Your sins. And it'll bring you to repentance. So what we really need to do as parents or as people, all of us, in passing on the next generation is go to the word of God, see our own sins, and repent 
Um, and in, in many cases, um, the children around us or the people around us will see that. Talked about that in Sunday school class a little bit. The parable, <clears throat> the parable here was given for a reason. It was a warning. We are like the children of Ephraim in verses 9 to 12. We're stubborn. Or maybe you're not. Maybe it's just me. Um, I think we all have the tendencies to, to be stubbornly go in our own ways. Um, and God is asking us, get back to the word of God and repent and change our ways. In order for us to pass on our faith, we need to repent of our own unfaithfulness. We need to start with giving, giving ear to the word of God and repenting of the things, making the changes we need to make. The second commandment or responsibility is found in verse 4. Somebody find that. Do a little search here. Verse 4, what does God command us to do there? Somebody. I like to hear from the audience. I like to keep us awake a little bit. Yep. Okay. Make sure they're not hidden. First of all, we read it and study it, and then we make sure it's not hidden. Now, we, how do we do that? We'll get into that uh, maybe here in a little bit. Make sure they're not hidden from our children. So obviously that means communicate it, pass it on, find a way of doing that. How do we do this? This is done through communication. Now, I know we communicate by the way we live, right? Um, the things we do. And I think that's so important. I think it's probably the most important because our children are going to see how we act and how we live, and it's going to communicate the word of God. But I'll say this. It takes more than just living. We need to talk. We need to um, also open our mouth. It says in Matthew 5 that Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, saying that was his disciples. He didn't just live. He actually talked, right? Um, we as parents need to do the same for our children. We need to communicate to the next generation what we're about biblical values. But verse 4, um, but what will we show to the generation to come? And here's specific, again, in these verses. It gives us three things here, very clear, and I want you to find these three things in verse 4. There are three things we will find in verse 4 that are clear that we need to pass on. And you can write these three things down and work on these this week. And if you're parents, do it to your children. If you're grandparents, do it for your grandchildren and your children. If you're youth, do it to those around you. If you're the oldest, if you're an older one in the family, pass it on to the younger ones. If you're the youngest in the family, there's always younger children that are looking. So it's for all of us. But what are the four things? First one, verse four. What should we be passing on to our to the next generation? Somebody, real quick. Praises of the Lord. Our children should hear us sing. We should have a good attitude. If you can't sing, we should still be talking, praising the Lord, having a good attitude in our home. Um, and I know that's not always easy, but they should hear us um, say good things about the Lord. This is paramount and fu fundamental. We need to be a person of praise. Um, our children will know and see if we are a grateful person, and they'll know if we're negative and the opposite. I remember uh, my dad... Uh, many years ago, I was a young boy, I don't know, maybe 8, 9, 10 years old, and we were in the cow stable. My dad was a pretty good farmer. Um, Tom, they say, agree with that. I'm not sure. Um, but anyways, he didn't have hay that got wet too often. But I remember one year, um, or one day, we were in the cow stable, and it was pouring down rain. All 40 acres of hay was laying there. And if you farmers or um, any of you that did any farming may remember those years, that was pretty devastating. And yet, I heard my dad whistling a tune and singing. And... I could still cry when I think about that. Um, it was a big deal to him. 
and yet he was going to praise um, God for the good things he's given us, given him. That's what we need to do as parents. Uh, we need to show our children the praises of his, um, the praises of God. What's the second thing you see there? Verse 4. His strength. Do our children believe God is sovereign and powerful and full of strength? I think it's a big deal. Our children should know God is sovereign. And those, you know how they find that out? During hard times, not good times, right? Um, when something happens in our home that seems devastating and bigger than I can handle, they should know that God is bigger than that situation. And we should be communi- communicating that to them. Do they understand that God is in control? We as parents or we are responsible to pass that on. Do they understand and believe in the sovereignty of God? Do they find security in a powerful, sovereign God? Do they believe God in his strength will someday make everything right? If they do, we pass that on to the next generation. Yes, we have to communicate this by faith, but by faith in action. What do we look like? What do we say when hard things happen in our home? Do our children believe and understand the strength of the Lord? And what's the third thing? His wonderful works. Might be a little bit like the first one. Have our children heard some of the great things that God has done in our lives? Have they heard about our repentance story or about our repentance? Have they heard about um, what God did to change us? Are we storytellers for our children? It's exactly what Asaph Asaph was doing here in Psalm 78. He was telling the wonderful works of God. He was telling the stories. He was telling the stories of many generations back. The Jewish people are very good at that. Are we good at that? It will make a difference in passing on to the next generation how well we tell the stories. Now, I know some of us are better storytellers than others. My mom was an incredible storyteller. She still is. Um, But she told us just about every story there was to be told um, that she knew. And she would pass it on um, to us. And I think that communication has impacted me um, and changed who I am because I saw those stories and I saw the difference, um, good and bad, of what happened in the lives of people around us. Stories are some of the best ways to pass on our values to others. You see, God probably won't speak to, a, to us or the next generation in an audible voice. I doubt it. He'll probably need you to speak to people around him, around you, so about what God has done. Neither will we see the fir- we probably won't see the miracles that the children of Israel seen, but he might need you to tell your children about a small miracle that has happened in your life so that they can have faith in the God that you serve. We have God's word, the Bible, and the Bible we ha- in the Bible there are many stories that can give us what we need to know truth and know how to walk here on earth. We not only have the stories in the Word of God, but hopefully we have those stories in our own lives that we can pass on to our children and to the next generation. Not only may we hear about stories of great men of faith in the Bible, we hopefully hear stories of great parents and grandparents and neighbors and um, you name the stories. Stories of redemption. That's what this Bible is about. But we have those stories that are right around us, too, that we need to share to our children. There's a lot of stories um, here in Lancaster County of people you know that your children need to hear about. 
um, stories of people who changed, stories of people who, who God worked in their lives. And teaching our children the laws of the Lord, we are teaching them the values and structures we have been given from our parents. And we're passing on to the next generation and to the next generation to the next generation. It's a responsibility to pass those laws and structures to the next generation. I'd like to point out verse I'd like to point out three stories we can learn um, in here in chapter 78. First story is Israel's story. And you can read chapter 78. It's one of the biggest psalms, um, but a worthwhile psalm to read. Um, the story of Israel, how God continually had mercy on Israel, and they would fall, and then they would rise, uh, and then they would follow God, and they'd fall again. It's a story that we probably have read often in the Bible, but Psalm 78 kind of goes into details of it. Next story is the story of Asa, and here's an interesting story. Um, it doesn't tell the story here, but he's the author, so I'm going to give his story. Many great men of faith have not passed on their faith to the next generation, but Asa actually did. Um, as a young man, Asa ministered at the tabernacle as, as a Levite when David recaptured the Ark of the Covenant and returned it to Jerusalem. I'm going to just tell you Asa's story, um, probably one that not many of you know. Later on, Asa was elevated from cymbal player to chief musician. When David assembled other musicians for worship in the tent of the meeting, he chose some who were the sons of Asa. Okay? David chose his sons. So something was passed on. Asa faithfully taught, instructed, and ministered with his sons and others. He ministered with his sons, who in turn did the same to their sons, who in turn taught their sons, and on down the line for generations. How do I know that? You'll find it in the Word of God. Asa... About a hundred years later, King Jehoshaphat, this is a hundred years after Asa's time, King Jehoshaphat prayed for protection against the invading armies and received a prophetic word given by Jehaziel, one of the sons of, guess who? Asa. A prophetic word. He was serving the Lord. A hundred and forty years after that, during the time of Hezekiah, the sons of, guess who? Asa were among the Levites who cleansed and concentrated consecrated the temple so worship to God could be restored. Second Chronicles 29. Eighty years later, after the great apostasy and the book of the laws was found, King Josiah wanted to celebrate Passover again. The singers turned out to be, guess who? Descendants of Asa. When the Israelites returned to Jerusalem after captivity in Babylon, nearly 400 years after dedication of the temple, Ezra, Ezra records the number of the exiled included 148 singers of the sons of Asa. And when the foundation of the temple was laid once again, it was the sons of Asa who led the worship. That's overwhelming. I think I went through a, about 500 years of generation, of generation, of generation, of biblical godly values being passed on. 500 years from now, Will the sons of, you name it, be spoken of? Still worshiping God, still serving God um, in the church, in the church of Jesus Christ. Now, hopefully we're not here 500 years. We're hopefully the world, um, we're all in heaven by then. But if we still stand in 500 years, I hope that your children can continue to be serving God um, in their corner of the world. I believe Asa and his descendants were purposeful and intentional in passing on um, their faith to future generations. And their focus was unmistakably. Listen to what Asa says. God is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. 
He took seriously the command to proclaim that on to the next generation. Um, next story I'm going to skip, is, and that's the, our story. Um, maybe I'll just leave that go. Um, but we can find our story right here in, in um, Psalm 78, how God has worked in our lives. I talked about that a little bit. So last part I want to talk about, God has given us a plan or a method for teaching our children and passing on to the next generation. Verse 6 and 7, there are some specific things here that I think we can use in passing on. And I love um, what the Bible says here. Here's the plan for each one of us laid out in Scripture of how we teach our children and how we pass it on to the next generation. If we look at verse 6 to 8, we can see God's clear plan. The first thing we see in verse 6 now is that we might know, it says, I'm going to read verse 6, um, that the generations to come might know them, even the children which should be born. Now, know here means a head knowledge or knowledge, okay? Um, the knowledge of the word of God, that they may know. We are going to give our children the knowledge, or we're going to pass on to the next generation the knowledge of God. I think it's right to prize love for God above knowledge of God, but the Bible, <clears throat> because even the Bible says the devil's had knowledge. Um, but listen to um, this, a quote from John Piper again. What a tragedy when we see the pride that knowledge can bring and then draw the wrong conclusion that the best way to inspire love to God is somehow take a detour around knowledge. I believe sometimes we miss this part. Our children need knowledge of God or we will never be able to pass on to the next generation the values we have been given. Our, all of us, we need the knowledge of God to pass that on. I believe, so, <clears throat> yes, we need theology. We need to know what we believe. We need to know truth in the word of God. Our children need to know about creation, the headship covering, nonconformity, nonresistance, the origin of sin, the principles of grace. They need to understand salvation in the cross. If our children don't have knowledge of God and his word, they're in trouble, and the next generation's in trouble. I've seen so many people who started out with a great love. Ten years later, you wonder where they're at. You wonder where their children are at because they just had a love without knowledge. They didn't understand what the word of God meant, what it says. We start by giving our children knowledge of the word of God. We can't love God without a good knowledge of God. We love God because of what we know of him, or our love may just be artificial emotionalism. I've seen that already. We've seen groups of people who have praised the Lord and are very excited about God, and it's just an emotionalism. They don't really understand who God is, and soon that emotion just fickles away and is gone. First task in, in teaching our children or passing on is to impart a genuine knowledge of the testimony and law of God. So the next generation might know him. Knowledge of God shouldn't lead to pride, especially if we do it the way Asa did. So the first aim in passing on the next generation of our faith is a knowledge. But of course it can't stop at that. We know that and understand that. We need to teach them, in verse 7, we need to teach them that they might put their hope in God. That's what? That's learning to know God. That's accepting Christ as their Savior. 
That's putting their hope and faith in God. And that's the second thing we need to do. We need to, first of all, we teach them at a, at a very young age, and then we bring them and introduce them to Christ, or we, ho- we, we pass on um, the knowledge to a hope, a change of heart. Second aim of education, or second aim of passing on to the next generation should be that children come to put their hope in God. Knowledge should lead to hope. What goes into the head should, make a new, should create a new heart. If it doesn't do that, it's worthless without a change of heart. So, we can put, <clears throat> so they can put their hope in God so that they can make Jesus their personal Savior, so that their hope can be found in their faith in Jesus Christ. This is the goal of all godly parents, to have children who have their hope in God and have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. If one person errs in education by saying knowledge is not the main thing, but the, <clears throat> but the heart is the main thing, another person errs on the other side saying that imparting knowledge is our only goal, not changing the heart. That's a disaster. Knowledge should not be our only goal. It should be a change of heart. Knowledge should lead to a change of heart. The Word of God is very clear on this. The aim of all churches and all families is to teach the truth in such a way that young people will come to love it and put their hope and faith in God. So the third thing that's also very clear in verse 7, somebody give me verse this third thing that I think needs to be found in every um, church and in every family. Okay, hope in God, but there's one more in verse 7. 7b. Obedience, right? Obedience to the word of God. Sometimes that's missing. We teach them, we bring them to the, we bring them to the faith, and then we quit discipling. And we quit teaching the importance of obedience to the word of God. A heart change should always lead to obedience to the word of God. Our third aim should be to teach them obedience so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, like it says there. Our job in teaching the next generation has to do with how our young people, our job in teaching the next generation has to do with how our young people act as well as what they know and what they feel. We have not succeeded in our God-given responsibility if our children are full, if our Children are full of head knowledge without obedience. That's why pure hope in God is essential, because we always bring our life in sync with whatever we hope in. And listen to 1 John 3, 3 says this, Everyone whose hope is in Christ purifies himself even as he is pure. And purifies himself is following the words of God. Our job in passing on godly values to the next generation starts with teaching truth, knowledge of God, helping them put their hope in God, a heart change, and expecting them to obey God, a life of obedience to God. Passing on God's values to the next generation starts with knowledge, and then a heart change, and then obedience. The truth is that none of these can work without the other. We need all three. I'd like to end with two questions. Do you have a plan to pass on God's values to the next generation? Do you as a church, do you as grandparents, as parents, or even as a, as a young man in the youth group, do you have a plan in how you're going to help others um, follow Christ? A plan to impart to the next generation the knowledge of Scripture.
when our children or when people in our church face grief and pain or when they face pleasure and materialism, materialism, will our plan work? Will the next generation have what it takes? Will their faith prevail? When the world offers them many pleasures and desires and the devil tries to deceive them with counterfeits, will our plan work? First thing I need to ask, do we have a plan? And I think we all here have a desire, um, but I think sometimes our plan is where we miss. Um, I'll be the first one to admit in our family, in our home, um, life goes on, life moves fast, and it's so often to forget um, what God has called us and commanded us to do. Second question I have is, what in your life is more important than passing on to the next generation the faith that you've been given? Is there anything other than our own faith? That should be one of our greatest goals and one of the number one goals of our church and our families, and our youth, and our um, even just people around us. Isn't it very selfish if we love what we have in Christ and what we've been given in Christ and don't pass it on? Now, these things are, as I say them, as I've studied, have convicted me. Because I realize, I think probably most of us, all of us here would agree that we've fallen short. Um, we've got distracted time and time again. Are we doing what it says in Psalm 78, verses 6 and 7, giving them knowledge, helping them put their hope in Christ, and teaching them to obey the word of God? Are we taking the time, this is pretty big, and telling the next generation our stories of what God has done in our lives? Are we taking the time every day to sing or to speak God's praises? Do we read a portion of scripture? to our children and to those around us? Do we, do we draw out life lessons? Do we ask those good questions when we don't really have time to ask them or tell the stories or answer them? If we say we're too busy, I think we need to rethink our priorities. This is a commandment of God, one for each one of us, kind of sobering, I think, probably for many of us, um, sobering for me, but I think it should bring us to um, maybe even a repent and change of heart in how we think about dealing with people, dealing with our family, dealing with our grandchildren, dealing with people around us. God has called us to pass on to the next generation and the next generation, the next generation, things in his word so someday they can meet their maker. Let's kneel together for prayer if you can.